I got the mission check. We did that last week, I thought. Um, we've been looking at, at wholeness. Wholeness. It means to not have anything missing. Wholeness. To be whole, to be healed, to be complete. And we're going to continue that today. And we're starting our, uh, into our new uh, series on, on physical wholeness. We've talked about spiritual fullness, mental and emotional wholeness, and now we're talking about physical fullness because Jesus died for the whole person. He didn't just die for part of you. He died for the whole person. He died so that you could have life and so you could be healed in every part of your being. And so that's what we're trying to get into our hearts. And by, by doing this repetitively, then we absorb it and, and it becomes a practice in our life. So I want you to uh, say these scriptures with us. This is our new scriptures on, on physical wholeness. 3 John, verse 2. Say this with me. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 1 Peter 2, 24 who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Amen. Now say this declaration with us today. In Christ, I have been delivered from all sicknesses, diseases, and infirmities. I am healed, and health is restored to my mortal body. Praise God. Everybody say, that's for me. I receive that. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. If your vehicle breaks down, you're stranded. And these are our vehicles that, we, that the Holy Spirit travels in. So we got we to gotta keep these vehicles going. And uh, God knows that, and he wants to keep your vehicle going. That declaration, I had to, uh, I had to really crunch that down. I started writing that, and... Um, it, pretty soon I realized that I had, I had half a page filled with declaration, and uh, it sounded like a legal document that a lawyer draw, draw up. I mean, <laughs> and I said, oh, we can't do that. So I, I, I crunched it down into a very simple statement. But God is very legal. The devil is very legal. We don't, we don't go into legalism because of the blood of Jesus Christ has freed us from the law of sin and death, but when you get into the spirit realm, you realize that, that, uh, that, that it's run by a very legal organization. There are things that God has established that when we understand them and when we bring them into our life, they are established and they are laws in our life. The law of freedom of life in Christ Jesus is a law that has been established and we got to get that into our life, that we are free in Christ Jesus. What are we free from? We're free from the law of sin and death. We're free from the curse. We're free from failure and poverty. We have been freed from these things because Jesus Christ paid the price for us and gave us uh, his life that we can live according to the Word of God. We can live to, uh, according to the covenant that he made for us. Praise God. This isn't just something that Jesus, you know, God gave us a little blessing and, and uh, it's, it's uh, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's how we do. That, that's us. 
Sometimes we got it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we're on top of things, sometimes we're on the bottom. We are, there are so many variables in our life, but God does not have any variables. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has established, the law of God is established. He has documented, established, and sealed it with his blood that the covenant cannot be abolished. It'll never go away. What really excites me is this covenant is not between me and God. This covenant is between God the Father and God the Son. Removing the variables, removing the, the uh, opportunity for failure in me. See, the law was a, was a covenant between God and man, and man failed miserably. But Jesus came and paid the price and made a covenant, a blood covenant of the Father, sit down at the right hand of the Father, make an intercession for us. So this covenant is eternal and cannot be abolished and cannot be destroyed by us. See, we get to come into the covenant of Jesus Christ. We come into Christ. We don't make a covenant ourselves. We, we get to share the covenant that Jesus made. We get brought in. We, as Steve was saying, we have been adopted in to this covenant, and, uh, it's, and it can't fail because Jesus cannot fail. Amen. Oh, what a, what a wonderful blessing that is. Praise God. God is, God is good. He is a good God. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. I got a couple of scriptures in Proverbs I want to read um, right off. I love the book of Proverbs. Gives us uh, gives a lot of wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your ear from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Praise God. You grab that? They are life and they are health to all their flesh, our fleshly bodies. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. How many want to promote health? Amen. You really want to promote health? Well, the tongue of the wise promotes health. And so in, in our speaking, we promote health. We promote, promote well-being. We can change the atmosphere by our words and our tone. How many of you realize that, that the tone you use with your wife or your husband uh, is what translates not just not your words, it's your tone. Amen. Sister Betty's always, she'll, she'll say, what are you being so mean about? And I said, I ain't being mean. She said, your tone's just real harsh. And I said, I, I'm sorry. I got thinking about something that, that I wanted to conquer, and it comes out in my tone. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it just comes out. So our tone, we can, we can change. I've, 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 there's been many times 
that I've talked with people in the middle of the night when their life was coming apart and they were, they were, they were coming apart. And I've talked to them on the phone and they couldn't breathe and they were hyperventilating and, and their life was coming apart. And, and I, I have changed their atmosphere and changed everything about them by how I speak to them. And I can hear them coming down. I can, as I talk to them, I can hear their voice coming down. I can hear them calm down. Their heart stops beating fast. They, they settle down, and it's because they're hearing an atmosphere. They're hearing words. They're hearing health, and it's bringing them into a balance. See, what's happening is I'm bringing them into my world instead of them bringing me into their world. Very important. As children of God, we've got to learn to stop letting people drag us into their world. we got to start bringing them into our world. Amen. Praise God. We, we, can't, we can't be manipulated by the atmosphere. We are changers of the atmosphere. We're the thermostats, not the thermometers. A thermometer registers what the atmosphere is. A thermostat changes the atmosphere. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. We have, in, in our flesh, in our fleshly bodies, there has been healing provided, and we've, we've got to access that. It's just like salvation. We, we seem to differentiate this thing that we, you know, salvation and health and healing for our bodies are two separate things. They are not. You know, Jesus told the, the paralytic, he said, so that, so that men will know that I have power to forgive sins, rise up and walk. What did he do? He, he associated the healing of our bodies with salvation. He, he said there's no difference. He was showing that there's no difference. But we differentiate. We, we, we have a hard time grabbing hold of that because our, our bodies are under attack all the time from the atmosphere, from things around us, from, from things we eat. I have promised myself that in this teaching on health and healing that I'm not going to get on to diet a lot because you just really lose people when you start messing with their diet. Yeah. <laughs> when you start talking about things we shouldn't eat, things we should eat. Matter of fact, I, you know, there's a new study every week on what's healthy and what's not healthy. And and uh, I, I just tell people, say, look, if you eat, you're going to die. If you don't eat, you're going to die. <laughs> Everything's going to kill you. You know, people that really get spastic about this stuff, I'll say, look, life's going to kill you. Boy, just kind of got quiet there. <laughs> Gloom, despair, and agony on me. No, we, our bodies are under attack all the time. And, uh, and uh, our, our food is not good for us. A lot of things aren't good for us. You know, one study will come out and say, oh, you shouldn't drink coffee. The next study comes out that says that at least if you drink at least three cups a day, it makes you live longer. So you never know what they're going to say. You know, this new study, this study, that study. There's one thing I know absolutely for sure. The Word of God tells us to not overindulge. Absolutely. We should not overindulge, and there's two things that are very, very, very bad for you, and that's sugar, too much sugar and too much salt. I know those two things are very bad for you, and aspartame. <laughs> One of the good things about drinking a lot of aspartame, like in Diet 
pop and stuff like that is it is actually it turns into formaldehyde in your body when it comes into body temperature it actually turns into formaldehyde and so when you die it won't be really that much harder for them just to embalm you it just you, you you'll be almost there you'd be really close to being pickled but it's not good for you. This stuff, you know, there's a lot of stuff not good for you. And so when we, you know, it, the, the aspartame, it turns into formaldehyde and then eventually breaks down into wood alcohol. And, and so it, you know, stuff like that's just not good for you. You just, you just got to use wisdom here. But most of the time, it's overindulgence that causes it. And the Bible plainly talks about overindulgence is bad for us. Amen. And, and, and we can't do that. If you eat 15 of those donuts out there this morning, you are going to be sick. Amen. <laughs> be sure and drink coffee with those donuts because, because listen to me, sugar dumbs you down. It dumbs your mind down. It, it actually, too much glucose actually inhibits the transfer of chemicals in your brain, in your neurological connections, and it inhibits that to where you're cloudy-minded, you can't think, you don't have as good a memory, and so that's why we have coffee and donuts, because then the, then the caffeine activates our adrenal system, which kicks up the, the adrenal in our blood, and that makes our brains work a little faster, so, we're, so it kind of starts balancing the, the effect of the sugar, and so we end up being dumb, hyperactive people. We can't think, but we're shaking. So that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. But we as Christians, we, we should be the happiest, healthiest people on the planet. We really should. But statistically, we're not. Matter of fact, the statistics say that Christian people and church people that go to church are many times less healthy than the counterparts that don't serve God. And I wonder why that is. I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to explain it to you. Matter of fact, let me, let, me use, let me use me for an example. I'm not going to pick on you today, okay? Pastors, pastors in America, this is the statistic. Pastors in America... The average pastor is obese, <laughs> I'm going to have to start breathing here in a minute, sick and depressed. Wow, that should not be, but I know it's true because I've been there, I've done that. I know what it's like, and, and I know what it's like to come out of that, and I know what it's like to change the toxic atmosphere of my life to make that happen, amen, because we live in a toxic atmosphere. We, we as Christians should be the healthiest, happiest people, and pastors should be the healthiest, happiest people on the planet Earth because we're supposed to be experiencing what we're teaching. Isn't that right? Amen. I, I just got to tell you something. I don't prepare messages to preach at you. I prepare messages that stir in my spirit. 
that bring, make me alive. That's what I preach on. It's stuff that stirs inside of me, that I live and, and, and comes alive inside of me. So we are, we are in an a epidemic as children of God in that our physical bodies, our souls and our physical bodies are suffering. And there has been provision made for it. We just get through spending several weeks, a couple months, on mental and emotional well-being. Thank God for that. I hope you grabbed hold of that because it's powerful. The children of God should not be nervous messes. I mean, we should not be the ones that are just wrecks at work. We should not be the ones suffering from PTSD and all those kind of things because there's healing for us. There's help for us. There's a way out. There's a way to come into stability. And God has made us that way. Amen. But my experience is a lot of times Christian people are the hardest people to get along with on the job. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. Because we're going to talk about it. We, we uh, you know, sickness and, and, and depression. Listen to this. Pastors are one of the largest groups of being prescribed antidepressants of, of any other group. My group. My profession. More pastors are on antidepressants other than psychologists. Psychologists, I mean, and their world just, just is terrible. They, uh, suicide among psychologists is, is the highest of any occupation. That just shows you right there that if you, if you just deal with problems all the time and don't have the answer, you're gonna, it's going to destroy you. Amen. You can't think your way out of, of this thing. You've got to let God change the way you think, and you've got to let God invade your thinking and get you out of this toxic situation. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut to the chase and tell you today that I believe that one of the main reasons that the children of God are suffering today is this thing called chronic stress. We live under chronic stress. One of the reasons is because we spend more time dwelling on what we do not believe in and what we're against than what we do believe in and what we're for. Oh, come on, somebody. We, we ought to shout on that one. Amen. Matter of fact, most, most messages preached from behind pulpits today will be about what the pastor is against, not what he's for. We have a fighting attitude that we're always fighting something. We're always fighting against something we're always we're always you know trying to trying to defeat something you know we're we're there there'll be there'll be more messages across this country today preached about politics than about jesus which i i know we have to deal with that stuff amen people ask me why i don't why i don't talk about that stuff from behind the pulpit i'll tell you why several years ago god spoke to me and he said i called you to preach my gospel not to battle with politics and so I started preaching the gospel and leaving politics out of the church. Amen. Amen. But that does not mean that I just go and hide. I still stand for it. I believe in, a, in, in God, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty and justice for all. I still believe in, in pro-life. I am pro-life. I am pro-marriage. I am pro-everything that God's pro for, I'm pro for, okay? We got that over with. That's all we have to deal with. 
I'm not looking for a Sunday school teacher to, to be the president of this country. I'm looking for somebody that will protect my rights as a Christian. Amen. So let's just get that over with. Okay? Get that out there in the open. You don't have to worry about me anymore. You know where I stand. But I do not have the time in my Christian walk as a child of God to live under chronic stress because I'm trying to deal with things in my mind and in my heart that I can't touch and I can't deal with today and is not present with me. If I can't touch it, if I can't fix it, if it's not present with me, I don't have the time for it. Come on, somebody. Amen. The things I can't do anything about, I take to God because he does have the time for it. He is able. Amen. Matter of fact, the children of God should be praying earnestly for this nation, earnestly for our churches. We should be earnestly seeking God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit because that's what we need. We need a revival that changes the lives and hearts of men. But we spend our time listening to talk radio 24 hours a day and listen to all the pundits argue and all the debating. And we live in a state of chronic stress instead of living in a state of chronic blessed. Amen. I'm gonna, I don't hide my head in the sand. I stick my head into heaven to deal with things. Amen. Because I've got a God that says that if you humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God, casting all your care upon him, for he cares on, about you. And so we take our cares to God and we bring them before God. Amen. So chronic stress is, is tearing us up and we've, we're living in a state of chronic stress because of the way we think and the things that, that we meditate on. That's why uh, anxiety and depression is eating people up. I mean, destroying people's lives. We, we, we're not dealing uh, successfully with the things that have happened in our lives, and we drag them like a long train behind us of failures and, and, and disappointments and guilts and shames, and we drag them behind us, and, and, and they weigh us down, and we, and we live in a state all the time, an amped-up state. I see, I see these young, young people drinking these energy drinks all the time. And, and my, my thing is, what do you need energy for? You are in the prime of your energy state. And if you're not mowing the lawn with a hand mower, pushing a car uphill you don't need that much energy all you're doing is destroying your heart and your brain because your heart and brain is working overtime okay man i am meddling today i'm getting right in right in there where we where we live come on somebody let's let's get at it praise god we, we complain about God not healing us, and we constantly do exactly opposite of what it takes to live in a health, a state of health. Okay. Focus. I want to I wanna just read a couple things here that chronic stress does to you. 
this is, this is how it starts. You're sitting in traffic, late for an important meeting, watching the minutes tick away. Your hypothalamus, a tiny control tower in your brain, decides to send out the order. Send in the stress hormones. These stress hormones are the same ones that trigger your body's fight or uh, flight response. Your heart races. Your breath quickens. Your muscles ready for action. This response was designed to protect your body in an emergency by preparing you to react quickly. But when the stress response keeps firing day after day, it could put your health at risk. Amen. Somebody, somebody said God's going to help me in traffic. <laughs> There's more people stressed out about driving their car good night. It's a privilege. You've got good highways. Stop getting so mad behind the wheel. I mean, just enjoy that thing. You got air conditioning. You got power steering, power brakes. You got you got heated and cooled seats. You got you got cruise control. You got all this stuff, and yet we're just we're acting like it's the biggest fight of our life. Every time we get behind the wheel, we're out there to battle. And if anybody dares make me put my foot on the brake and turn off my cruise control. The world has just come to a standstill, and, and everything is focused on that. And next thing you know, your hypothalamus says, get up! And stress hormones just invade your body and your brain, and your muscles and your legs and your legs and arms tense up, and your, and your brain stops working because it is now focused on a fight or flight. we got to deal with this thing. It's all about protecting yourself. And then next thing you know, you're wondering why you wore out when you got to work. I'm tired all the time. Well, you keep firing up. Amen. Oh, this is good. This is some good stuff. <laughs> Chronic stress causes headaches, migraine headaches, muscle tension causes heartburn, acid reflux, rapid breathing causes risk of heart attack, pounding heart, increased depression. Insomnia, weakened immune system. You know, you know what causes insomnia? Some of y'all say, you know, when I lay down at night, my brain just kicks on and I can't control it. You know why? Because when you get still is when all that anxiety amps up. That's when it happens. Stuff you've held back all day long. And you lay down at night, and all of a sudden, your brain kicks in. Why? Because you are amped up. I mean, you, you got so much adrenaline flowing in your body, your brain could shut down if it wanted to. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a mega power station. It's lighting up. It's power. It, it's humming. If you, if, if you sit real still, you can probably hear your brain humming, the vibration. Because you live in a state of anxiety. You live in a state of tension. That's not, that's not for the child of God. We're to live in a state of peace. I've got to get on with this. I'm meddling way too much. Causes high blood sugar. Did you know every, every time you go into this state that your liver releases glucose into your bloodstream and raises your sugar levels? So if you, have, if you go in that state over and over and over and over, then your body is going to become... Uh, get to the point where your blood sugar levels keep rising, rising, and then your 
your body is actually going to become immune to the insulin that brings it back down. And then you won't be able to bring it back down because the, the insulin doesn't react to it anymore. It, your body doesn't, doesn't open that up. It's become immune. And so now your body's uh, system that normally regulates that doesn't work anymore because it's been overwhelmed. And it's all because of the way we're dealing with stress. Isn't that amazing? Stress is not what's causing the problem. It's our reaction to stress that's causing us to get sick. Amen. Boy, that's, that's some good stuff right there. Causes, causes tense muscles. A lot of other things I'm not going to go into today. Stomach aches. It, uh... Stress hormones affect your respiratory and cardiovascular system. During stress response, you, you breathe faster in an effort to quickly distribute oxygen-rich blood to your body. If you already have a breathing problem like asthma and emphysema, stress can make it even worse. Under stress, your heart also pumps faster. Stress hormones cause your blood vessels to constrict and divert more oxygen to your muscles so that you'll have more strength to take action, but this is also raising your blood pressure. We, we are... A people today that live in a constant state of stress and as children of God that's one of the reasons I like I, I want this church to be an oasis when you come in here I want you to be able to relax I want you to be able to enjoy life amen I want you to I want you to come and be refreshed in the presence of God I don't want it to be one more stress in your life amen I want it to be a place I, like I said today I Everybody started gathering here, and, and they're just happy and stuff. And I said, man, this is our happy place, isn't it? Amen. That's why I want it to be. I want this to be your happy place where you come in here and, and you can get rid of all the stress and anxiety and stuff. And you can just worship God and enjoy the presence of God and, and, and be revived in your, in your body, in your spirit, and in your soul. All right. Now, I want to talk about a guy that had more stress than any of us can ever imagine. Apostle Paul. And yet Apostle Paul lived to be about 64 years old. And he didn't die of sickness. He died because the Romans killed him, beheaded him. But when he was 64 years old, he was still healthy. Even though all that he'd been through, and I want to just kind of look at what all he's been through in, in the book of Acts chapter 9. Verses 10 through 16, Paul had, Paul had a rough life. Next time you think you got a rough life, you just need to stop and read, read about Paul's life. In, in Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, and he said, Here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, one Saul uh, called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from uh, many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now listen to this. 
for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. How many, how many goes in for a job interview and they, they tell you, look, this is what it's going to do to you, and this is how much you're going to suffer? Sign me up. Very few of us. Matter of fact, when God puts a call on our life, he never tells us what it's going to be like. He just kind of shows us the bright spots. Because if he shows you everything, you're going to be, you're going to be saying, uh, you know, I don't think I'm going to go there. But with Apostle Paul, right off the bat from the very beginning, God showed him all the things that he was going to suffer. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The way we respond to things is what's doing, doing us harm and damage. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you go around all the time saying life's not fair and people's not fair and all that kind of stuff, you're just, you're just stressing yourself out. Get over that. Get over that. Amen. Life is never going to be fair. You're never going to be equal with everybody. You're, you, you wasn't made to be. You was made to stand out. You are distinct. You're not supposed to have everything everybody else has. If you get jealous because somebody gets something you don't have, then you have just cursed yourself. And you have, you have said, I have a poverty mentality. And, and you have got yourself in a box. Rejoice with those that, that are blessed. When people prosper, rejoice. You know why? Because you're, you're next in line. Get, get in line. Don't stand on the outside saying, well... You know, I, I work in a place where I see people spending a lot of money on marinas. I see them buying these million-dollar boats and, and stuff just to sit in a slip. And a lot of times those boats hardly ever move. And they, they pay thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and, they, and these, these marinas are full. And people say, well, I can't believe they'd spend money on that. I can't believe they're, you know. And I hear people saying stuff like that all the time. And I think to myself, my goodness, you are a socialist. That didn't go over very good. Because you're demanding that everything should be equal. It is not going to be equal. I am excited that they spend money on those boats. I love it when I see people buying brand new boats. You know why? Because you start figuring up all the people that were employed from the beginning of that, build that boat to the end, and you realize that that boat caused a lot of people to be able to pay their bills, put supper on the table, and not only that, they pay my income. Amen. <laughs> when I get to run electric utilities to their slip and I get paid for it, they have just blessed me by the fact that they bought that thing. Amen. When somebody buys a brand new car, don't get all upset and say, well, they should have gave that money to the poor. They did. They did. They kept a whole bunch of people employed. Oh, boy, I'm meddling today. Good night. But I'm talking about our attitude. Our attitude is what's killing us, people. Our attitude is what's causing us to be sick all the time. We have this chronic stress because of the way we approach life. It's supposed to be fair in our attitude, in our estimation. No, it is not supposed to be fair. That's Peter and John. John was always, I mean, he was Mr. Relational. 
and he was always just hanging on Jesus. He was everybody's buddy. He was, you know, he was the nice guy. He's the guy everybody liked. And old big mouth Peter was always getting himself in trouble, and people didn't quite like him as much. I know, I, I, I know how that feels. He was very opinionated, very forceful. And John, you know, when it talks, when you, when you read the book of John, John actually refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loved. Like siblings. Well, mom and dad like me better. You know, I'm the favorite child. You know, well, he's the favorite child. You just treat him better. That, you know, sibling. You, you watch, you look, read about the disciples of Jesus, and you realize the sibling rivalry was just, he had to deal with that all the time. No wonder Jesus, every little bit, would say, How long am I going to have to deal with you? Jesus said that several times. Even the Son of God full of the power of God, could move mountains, could, could heal the sick, could walk on water, and yet he would get frustrated with his disciples. Why? Because there's one thing God refuses to do, and that's control us. He asks us to yield and to be discipled and to learn. Oh, uh, John was always around Jesus and so when Jesus spoke to Peter about the death that he was going to have to die, the first thing he said was, what about John? Isn't that the way we are? Jesus said, what's that to you? Next time you, you start getting upset about something somebody else is doing, look in the mirror and say, what's that to you? Oh, this is going over tight. Everybody say, oh, I love Jesus. Thank you. I feel better. Did I read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22? I'll just check and see if you watch, paying attention. Are they Hebrews? So am I, verse 22. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. <laughs> that, that phrase right there kind of gets me. In deaths, often. <laughs> From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, and nine and day I've, I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepness as often, in hunger and thirst in fastings often, and cold and nakedness, besides the other things. What comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now I'm talking about somebody that had the opportunity to walk in chronic stress. We can't even, we can't even come close to that. 
I mean, getting beat all the time and getting rejected and getting stoned and, and, and just constant problems and, you know, the things Paul had to deal with all the time besides day and night ministering and teaching and working with the church and trying to, and, and trying to deal with the problems that, that, that was involved in starting a, a, a church that was so dynamically opposed to everything people thought or believed. And doing it in cities that were so anti-gospel. I mean, the church of Ephesus was, was a large church, ended up being one of the biggest churches, and yet it was started right in the middle of some of the most immoral things that you can imagine. And every day, they were around all this immorality and idol worship, and yet they were able to establish one of the strongest churches. Why? Because it's all about how we approach things. It's rather we are focusing on what we believe or what we don't believe, what we're for or what we're against. And if we spend all of our time dealing with what we're not for and what we're against, then you are going to develop a chronic stress syndrome that's going to cause you to be unhealthy. You got to spend your time in the presence of God. You got to spend your time in the joy of the Lord. You got to spend your time in the peace of God. No matter what's going on around you, you can't afford to enter into that. You've got to stay in your world. When I'm dealing with people that are, that are bound and, and their lives have been destroyed by alcohol and drugs and things like that, I don't deal with, with their problems. I give them a place to run to, I offer them hope. And you can see the change on their faces. I was ministering to a young lady the other night when I was preaching. I was teaching and preaching. And just all of a sudden, you know, I just kept, this, kept being drawn to this one young lady. And I finally turned around and just started talking to her. And, and talking to her about what was going on in her life and the things that, and, and tears were running down her face. And the things that I found out later, the things that she had been involved with, she should have ran when I started talking to her because I was the most scary thing in her life because of the stuff that had been done to her. But she didn't run. She started breaking, tears running down her face. And I just started talking to her about what God had for her and, and explaining how to come out of that darkness and, and explain what was going on in her life. And, and in a short time, there was a big smile started coming across her face. And, and she started responding. And her whole face changed. You know why? Because I didn't go into her world. I brought her out of her world into my world. And for just a minute there, for a second, she got a glimpse of what she could have, what her life could be like. Oh, we got to give people a place to run to. Amen. We can't afford to be the most miserable people in society. <laughs> Everybody say amen. amen. Thank you. We can't afford to be the most miserable people in society. We've got, to learn, we've got to start being the happiest and healthiest of all society. Why? Because the blessing of God maketh the rich and addeth no sorrow. We are blessed. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Amen. But according to his power, he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's bestowed that upon us. We've got to start taking, making use of that and, and investing our life in it. And get out of this chronic stress thing. 
It's eating us up. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. This is going to be one of the most unusual messages I ever preached because I'm not even going to quote anything from Ephesians. And I always do. Well, I probably lied there because I'll get into it before it's over with. So forgive me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your generals be, ne- be, made, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That is amazing. That's something to live by. That is something to incorporate in your life. And yet that is being said by the man that should have had the worst worst, uh, uh, condition of chronic stress of anybody, Apostle Paul, in prisons. He He was put in prisons. He lived in prisons. He ate terrible food. He was with the rats. He, he was in cold conditions and, and bad conditions. And yet, at 60, close to 64 years old, he was still alive and healthy, even after all he had been through. And the reason was, is because this is how he lived. This is what he lived by. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say Rejoice. When our rejoicing stops, stress starts. Amen. I knew this was going to be a hard message to preach. I, I prayed. I prayed on this message for two days straight. I mean, two days. I have been in prayer over this message. You know why? Because it is the favorite trophy of the devil to keep us sick and keep us informed or infirmed and and keep us depressed and full of anxiety because he can rip the testimony out of the church and take the fruit out of us. This is the pet project of the devil is to keep the children of God sick in mind and in body so that we don't have a testimony of the victory of Jesus Christ. We're just, we're just hoping Jesus comes today because I don't know how much longer I can make it. I got to tell you something, the children of Israel need to be like Paul and Silas in the prison when they were beaten and accused wrongfully and put in stocks and bonds in the middle of the prison at midnight. They begin to sing and pray and give glory to God. They were not stressed out. They did not feel sorry for themselves. They didn't feel like they'd been done wrong, but they started giving praise and honor to God, and God showed up on the scene. That's what's got to start happening in our lives. We've got to stop moaning and groaning. Did you know that complaining actually changes your brain? Matter of fact, it destroys your brain. Complaining. We spend most of our time complaining. I don't like complaining, but that's me personally. Matter of fact, when somebody comes to me and complains about something here in the church, if you don't offer to be part of the answer or have a solution, that irritates me. Because all you're doing is spreading toxicity. Amen. Can I just be blunt and plain? It don't matter. I'm that way anyway. So, Amen. 
Oh, complain, complainers are like toxic fumes that just spread and, and cause people to get sick. You go around complaining all the time. You literally destroy your brain. They've, they've showed it on scans. Your brain begins to deteriorate when you live in a place of constant complaining. I'm going to get back. Y'all don't have any rocks in your hands, do you? I'll throw them back at you. When, when we understand that the way we live and the way we think is absolutely important to not only our relationship with God, but our mental and physical health. When we realize that we are part of the reason that we're getting sick, and we wonder why God doesn't heal us, well, God's probably been healing you, and you just keep bringing it on. You know, God, God has to work 24 hours a day trying to overcome the cortisol and the adrenaline that pumps through your body because you live in this constant state of, of anger and, and, and tension and stress. And we got these stress headaches and our muscles and our shoulders are tight and we, we can't seem to let go. And, and it's all just stress, 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 stress. You say, well, it's the world I live in. Tell that to Paul. It's not the world we live in. It's how we're responding to the world we live in. We're not running into the presence of God. He said, he said, hey, bring all your, don't live in anxiety, but bring your request to God. Make your request known to God. Just come in the presence of God. Amen. Oh, listen to me. I know what stress is. I know what it's like to live in stress. I know what it's like to live in chronic stress because I spent much of my life in chronic stress as a pastor. I really did. It destroyed me. It tore me down. I, I adopted every problem that came along. I took it on. You know, I just absorbed it and felt like it was my responsibility to, to, to do this and do that and to fix everybody's problems and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I didn't realize that all I was was a, was, a, was a sign. I'm just a sign. The quicker we can get people to heaven, the, well, <laughs> to God. Don't go there. That's back in that chronic stress thinking. God, just take him home. Just take, just take him home, God. <laughs> Woo, just shoot up amongst us. Somebody's got to have some relief, you know? <laughs> like a pastor told me one time when I was real young, I don't, know why, why, I don't know why an older pastor would tell a younger pastor this, but I think it's because he was under chronic stress. We was in a service, had an altar call, and there was a bunch of people in the altars that had been in the altars every time we had a revival. And they were back in the altars. We were praying with people, and this pastor come over to me. He said, son, I'm convinced the only way we're going to get some of these people to heaven is shoot them in the head right now. <laughs> uh, that man's under stress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best not to take that to heart because I didn't feel like that was wise counsel. 
The tongue of the wise promotes health. <laughs> but I've laughed about that a long time. We got to learn to live in a place that promotes health in our life because you're living in a world that wants to strip it away from you. It wants to strip your mental health, your emotional health, and your physical health. We have a blessing that is on our lives. Matter of fact, another, another uh, article I read on statistics is that people that pray are sick less often, recover quicker, and have shorter and fewer stays in the hospital. Amen. Why? Because we're going to the answer instead of just dealing with the problem. We are surrounded by problems. I'm going to tell you something. In, to, in today's world, especially here in the United States, we are surrounded by problems. How many can agree with that? I mean, you can't get away from it. It's everywhere, you know. You can't get away from it. I, I look on Facebook, check up on, on some of our people, and, and there's all these complaining about, about, you know, what this and doing this and doing, you know, this politician, that politician. And, I, and, and they keep saying we, need, we, we, we don't care what they think. I keep reading that. We don't care. And yet they fill my... Facebook page every day with what they think. If we don't care about it, stop repeating it. Woo! That's good preaching right there. Man, that's good preaching. There are, there are a lot of pundits out there that are doing it. Our job is to go to the polls and vote and to seek God with all of our heart. Amen. I don't know why I keep going back to that today, but there's somebody here that needs to hear what I'm saying. You need to, you need to get off that bandwagon. Amen. I, there was a guy. There was a guy I was around that, that was working, and all day long, every day, he had talk radio on all day long, and it was just just arguing and, and this problem, that problem, and and these people are doing this and these people are doing that, you know, and, and stuff, and and it it was like you know you you felt like you need to go take a shower after being around it, you know, it was like yeah, you know, just such a dirty world, and I realize it's dirty, but I don't want I don't want the dirt in here. You know, I want to say focus on God. And finally one day, as my custom is, I walked into where he was working, and I said, you realize that's making you sick? He said, what? I said, listen to that all day. I said, you listen to that stuff all day long. I said, do you realize that that is, that is determining your thinking, your attitude, what you do, how you live? It's determining the, the chemical structure of your body. I said, you are making yourself sick. But you know what? He's addicted to it. Why? Because we get addicted to adrenaline. That adrenaline high. And it's killing us. It's killing us. I want my high to be in Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. For years, I, for, for years, I carried burdens. I mean, I was just burdened all the time, and I realized that's a good pastor. You know, a good pastor is burdened and broke all the time. 
And I finally, one day I finally said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to be burdened broke all the time. How can I help anybody if I'm burdened and broke all the time? So I started getting happy. You know how I did that? This is going to sound really, really, really crazy. But I realized that I didn't even know how to laugh anymore. I was serious as a car wreck while you're having a heart attack. I mean, I was serious all the time. In my late 20s, I started pastoring. I became an 80-year-old man overnight. And I lived like that for years. It about killed me. I was one of the sickest people. I had one sickness after another. I mean, I, it, just, it was just killing me. But when I started realizing what had to happen and that I really didn't walk in the joy of the Lord, and that's supposed to be one of the number one characteristics of my life, fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, the first three, law of first mention. And I realized that I didn't have that. And yet I represented the Almighty God. I represented the God of everything, the God of miracles, the God of healing. And yet I wasn't, I, I preached it, but I wasn't showing it. I wasn't living it. And so I came over here to the church. Matter of fact, I can go sit in the very spot where I sit down and I started practicing laughing. You say, that is silly. Uh, some of y'all need to practice it. You need to get the crow's feet up here and not down here. If you have laughing wrinkles, that's good. If you got frowning wrinkles, that's bad. Okay? So let's change the wrinkling of our face. And some of y'all try not to have any wrinkles at all. <laughs> Don't want to get no wrinkles. Can't move my face. Don't want to get no wrinkles. <laughs> like people get those Botox shots. Weird. But I started practicing. <laughs> sounded stupid. Sounded awful. But I, I made myself, I forced myself to start laughing. I forced myself to start practicing joy. And it was not an easy thing. I realized that I had to make a major transition in my life. And now I spend a lot of my time just laughing. I love it. I love pastoring for years I felt like it was a burden I had to bear but anymore I just love it I love preaching I love this greatest job anybody could ever have I mean I love it I love people I love spending time with people you know just an awesome 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 thing but it all comes when you decide to stop being toxic and 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 chronic stress driven in your life and you start living in what God actually gave us, the joy of the Lord. Joy, peace, the God of peace, the God of peace. Not the God of stress, not the God of suffering, the God of peace. Feel you. Stand with me if you would today. See, one of the things that God called me to do the anointing that's on my life is to change culture. 
and I'm trying to change your culture today. I'm trying to shift you into a culture of the presence of God out of the culture of this world and into the very presence of Almighty God. What an amazing thing. God wants you to come in to his presence and out of that stress and out of that anxiety, that depression, oh my goodness, that sickness, those constant headaches, muscle aches, you feel fatigued and tired all the time and you don't know why. That's not the blessing of God. Father, I just thank you for this time today. I thank you, God, for this people. Father, I thank you that you have given us life and strength and health. Lord, today I pray that we are able to receive health in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, we receive health today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you are amazing. God, you are amazing. Father, you are amazing. Hallelujah. You are amazing, Father. And God, we want to live in that amazing presence that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Grab hold of somebody's hand there next to you. Come on. Don't be, don't be bashful. Grab somebody's hand next to you. We're going to pray. I want you to agree with them. We're going to agree together today. Father, I just declare today over this congregation that this chronic stress, this unhealthy atmosphere is broken today in the name yes. of Jesus. Yes. Father, I declare health. Yes. Health to their bodies. Health. 